I remember early in our recovery one time where um, Beth and I were having a conversation and I just challenged something that she said. And I think she would say I did in a kind way. And what's also true is she had a reaction to that. And it was interesting because one of the things that she said was she was so thankful that I was standing up or having a voice or pushing back because she didn't want that distorted power dynamic where she was always above me and I was always below her in that placating stance. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, she had a reaction kind of who are you to show up with that based upon what you've done. Mm -hmm. And I think that that can be some of the complexity when a couple is actually moving to health, it can also create chaos and disruption. Mm -hmm. Welcome to the Faithful and True Podcast. We're happy to be back with you again today with our usual host, Dr. Greg Miller. How are you, Greg? I'm doing well. It's good to be here again. It's great to have you with us. I'm Randy Everett, your co-host. And uh, once again today, we have Debbie Laser, yes. Director of Faithful and True, and uh, our fa really one of our absolute favorite <laughs> guests on the podcast, right? <laughs> and... Uh, Anyway, we have uh, Debbie with us today, and we're going to do a couple of podcasts. The first one is dealing with navigating the various seasons of recovery and uh, finding your voice, more specifically, finding your voice in recovery. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things that I learned early on is there are various seasons, and sometimes it takes a while to be in it to begin to realize there's a shift here. There's a change happening. Something is different now. And that can also be in the case of the relationship. So for a man, he has his seasons of recovery. And then also in a coupleship, we can see that that's happening too. And the season that we're going to be talking about today can be really very disorienting for the couple. And it is necessary. It's that season when a man begins to find his voice uh, maybe starts to express an opinion in a way that he hasn't historically. He's going from placating to maybe um, showing up with a stronger presence. Um, and that can be very disruptive and chaotic for the coupleship and also for the wife. Mm -hmm. I wonder if it would be helpful to just describe what we mean by placating. Absolutely. Want, I mean, I can, I'll do that. Okay. Um, well, there's a placating is when we do things for another person, primarily for the purpose of trying to keep them happy. And so the, the motivation behind that is um, more about wanting to reduce fear and anxiety in the person who's doing things rather than what we want it to be, which is serving or loving another person. What, what's interesting, and we know this from just working with so many couples, is, is that energy that comes from that is something that is felt by the mm. other person, usually. And they don't always understand why they don't like so much placating, even though they're really nice things that may be done. But I think the reason is because they long for it to be more authentic right. and not about fear and trying to keep them pleased. Well, one of the images of, of placating is the pickpocket, mm -hmm. where I'm trying to take something from you. I'm trying to get my safety. I'm trying to get... Um, the absence of my anxiety by you being okay with me. So it does seem as if I'm serving you, but the reality is it's my agenda of mm -hmm. trying to create safety. And one of the things that I see 
in the men that I work with, there are those men who I would say are naturally people pleasers and they would even identify. That's something that they're learning about themselves. They've learned somewhere in their family system or in their life that they can be safe or create the illusion of safety by placating or be people pleasing. And so they really are going to struggle with finding their voice and maybe showing up in their relationship. But another pattern that I see is when there's been so much hurt and chaos in a relationship and I don't have a clear understanding of serving, I can, even if I've never historically placated before, I can begin to do that because I I have seen that I've hurt my wife. I do want her to be in a better place. Um, Selfishly, I would like for her not to be so angry at me. Mm -hmm. And so I start showing up in the placating way or the people-pleasing way, even if historically that's not been a part of who I am. And I think it's important to say this is not black and white. Right. That every time you do something nice for someone, that means you're a placater and you're not being authentic. Um, That's not what we mean here. It's just that I think for our own self-growth and information, we want to figure out when that is what we're doing and when we're strictly serving someone because it's what we want to do. Right. And one of the indicators, I think, of placating is when I do something for somebody else, they don't respond the way that I anticipated, and therefore I have a reaction to that. What's true is sometimes I have an agenda and I may not be aware of it. And so I do something for my wife and I'm expecting her to say thank you or be nice or move towards me. She doesn't do any of those things. And then what I feel is anger or resentment or bitterness. Well, that's probably a good indication that it was placating. Mm -hmm. But if I'm able to just to release my expectations about how my wife is going to respond, if I can just do something for her without that agenda, then when she doesn't say thank you or she doesn't move towards me, I don't get into that, you know, angry place, that um, bitter place, because to the best of my ability, I didn't have an agenda going into it. I genuinely just wanted to serve my spouse. Yeah. That giving to someone else without strings attached Mm -hmm. is that ultimate kind of love that we would like to share with people. Right. Right. And, And finding your voice, though, I think you had said earlier before we started the podcast uh, that's a, a sign that someone's recovery is going well Right. if the mm-hmm. husband is starting to find a voice. Absolutely. You know, one of the phrases that I would hear often in the counseling center that I went to was this giving to get. Mm-hmm. I'm giving you something, but I want something in return. And what we're talking about here is kind of a healthy shift where I'm still in the relationship. Obviously, I don't want to antagonize my spouse. I don't want her to be mad at me. And yet I am having an opinion. I am speaking my voice. I remember early in our recovery one time where um, Beth and I were having a conversation and I just challenged something that she said. And I think she would say I did in a kind way. And what's also true is she had a reaction to that. And it was interesting because one of the things that she said was she was so thankful that I was standing up or having a voice or pushing back because she didn't want that distorted power dynamic where she was always above me and I was always below her in that placating stance. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, she had a reaction, kind of a, who are you to show up with that based upon what you've done? Mm-hmm. And I think that that can be some of the complexity when a couple is actually moving to health, it can also create chaos and disruption. Mm-hmm. I think in many of our relationships, we we live with the idea that if our relationship is going well, 
there's there's no conflict. We're always happy and joyful. We like everything about each other. Um, and, you know, to be honest, it's just not realistic. Mm-hmm. I mean, w- neither of us are perfect people. We have things we have to manage in life that are difficult. We oftentimes don't have the ability to speak totally honestly in what we're feeling and thinking or needing. And so we do the best we can. I think one of the great things about a, a, re- a journey through some kind of recovery is that you learn how to do things like be more authentic and more honest about those inside things that we're not often sharing, thinking, feeling, needing, desiring, envisioning. And we don't often think about talking like that. And I I like what you said about this idea of our expectation of relationship. I know that Mm -hmm. in my mind growing up, a good marriage was one where there was no conflict. And so I was committed to doing whatever I could do to avoid conflict. Um, part of it was because I thought that that's what a good marriage was. Um, I was there was a freedom that came. You know, I was introduced to Harville Hendricks um, and his w- uh, wife Hunt. Yes, I can't remember her first name June? either. <laughs> anyway, Hunt. Not June. Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm not mm-hmm. honoring her. Um, <laughs> But one of the things that they talked about is um, we marry that person that has the potential of triggering our deepest pain. Mm -hmm. And instead of that being a destructive thing, that can actually be a redemptive thing because pain that is exposed can then be healed. Mm -hmm. And so now I have a new context of, oh, I am supposed to show up and I am to be present and that may create chaos and that may actually create some sort of disruption And that doesn't mean we have a bad marriage. Mm -hmm. But I can tell you, I can still fall back into those old beliefs that I'm supposed to, as a husband, make sure that Beth is happy. That means that we have a good marriage. Mm -hmm. So it is worth exploring, you know, where do we learn things like that? Um, Books or church or our own folks or whatever. Uh, But I think if, if somehow earlier on in our relationships, we would learn how to be honest about things and speak in a way that is not hurtful to another. And I think that's possible. You know, that's what we teach here. But how to talk about difficult things without some of those unsafe ways of doing that blaming and shaming and, you know, uh, always and never statements and voices that are too loud or people that withdraw, all those kinds Mm -hmm. of things. If we could learn those things earlier on so that we could both be truthful um, in our marriages, I think we wouldn't go on then to start coping in ways that end up being more silently or with, you know, without the other person knowing how we're coping with emotions we're not talking about. Right. And I, I think what, what's true is we're talking about entering into this new season and in our case, working at Faithful and True. So the man who is the one who struggles with the addiction who has betrayed his wife, is going to his groups, he's going to his therapy, he's learning to have a voice, he's kind of tuning into himself, he's trying to find boundaries in relationship, trying to have his yes and his no. And if especially that's not been the pattern in the relationship, it kind of can be very confusing to the spouse that now this guy that betrayed her is showing up in this way and Maybe she doesn't know how to respond or it creates the chaos for her. Mm-hmm. Well, we talk about addiction as being defined as an emotional intimacy disorder. And I like to talk with wives about what that really means, because then their expectation, perhaps, of what they're going to start seeing and hearing will also change. 
if we know that a, a disorder about emotional intimacy is that there is a lack of sharing what's true about what I'm feeling, what I'm thinking, the story in our heads as we talk about here, what I'm needing. Um, if, if we're not doing that, then we have this disorder that someone doesn't really know me. And that's what we're trying to create in our relationships is a broader knowing of who I am as a person and for me to know you as a person so that we're both working on those things. Right. Somewhere along the line, though, addictions come along and other coping uh, actually come first before an addiction. And when we're coping, we're not sharing those things. That's one, one of the reasons we call it coping is we're, we're trying to exit or medicate things we don't want to talk about. And as we do that, then we slide into this life of being secretive, oftentimes, not being totally authentic with another person, maybe um, stuffing away those things that we don't like about someone else, because if we brought it up, it might create more conflict. And we start getting into this habit and this pattern in our relationship of really kind of living on the surface emotionally. I think actually it happens to both of us in some ways. We're just responding to it a little bit differently. Um, that's what we want to try to help people heal from. Right. So when we start talking about authenticity or being truthful about what, what our needs are and what we're thinking and feeling, it does change the dynamic drastically in the relationship. And it can be hard, quite frankly. You mm -hmm. know, if someone didn't like something the way you talked or whatever for years in a marriage and then all of a sudden they're being honest and say, well, I've never really liked this part about you. That's very hard to hear. Right. Um, so we want to start gently and maybe it's with just our emotions. You know, I'm having a hard day. I'm really anxious. That might be something new right. and beginning to hear that our spouses have more emotions than just quiet or uh, angry or whatever it is can be a new experience for a wife as well. Well, and again, you mentioned this, but it's that idea of kindness, mm -hmm. that I'm going to speak the truth in a kind and loving way and <laughs> not in a blaming way. So like talking about emotions, it's, we have this pattern sometimes of saying, well, you made me feel. Mm -hmm. And we're not. that's not going to be helpful. It's me taking responsibility of my emotions and simply saying, I'm feeling anxious mm -hmm. or I'm feeling angry. Um, and I'm taking responsibility for them versus blaming my spouse for something that I'm feeling. They may have done something that triggered it, but it's my emotion and I'm responsible for it. And one of the things that we're, we're working with husbands many times and probably with wives, but it's that idea of healthy detachment. You know, when there's enmeshment, I can't be safe if you're not happy or you're not content or you're not moving towards me. And so I moderate myself, adjust myself in order to get that from you. And so part of the deal is we're going to be in a healthy detachment where you get to be where you are and it doesn't define me. It doesn't become my value, my identity, my safety. And I, I can respond to that, but I don't have to manipulate you into a new place just to be safe. Mm -hmm. And I think for a lot of the men that we work with, that's really challenging to, to do that healthy detachment and that's not apathy. You know, sometimes we can swing the pendulum to the apathy. I don't care. That's not what we're talking about. It's I do care and I'm not going to be defined by how you respond to me. And I'm going to give you the space that you have the response that you need. Mm -hmm. One of the things I notice early on for, for wives who have been betrayed is that uh, they notice when their husbands start having more emotions. And so the one that in particular since 
tends to come up more often is anger. Um, whereas maybe before placating or avoiding conflict with people, this might be people at work, might be friends, might be the kids, um, and certainly her possibly. But when they start working on being authentic and not covering up those emotions, they show up more in the relationship. For a wife who hasn't seen that from their husband, she can start getting really concerned, you know, because some of it, you know, and I think this is true for any of us who are trying to change something about ourselves. We tend to go from one, one end of the continuum all the way to the other as we're practicing. So if, a, if someone's been very silent about, say, how to express anger, uh, when they start to work on it, and they're letting it out, oftentimes it goes way over here to the other side. And it truly is scary, maybe unsafe for someone else. And that's where I think a wife sometimes meets that new emotion mm -hmm. that's showing up. So on the one hand to say, well, in some ways we're grateful to see it because we know it's honest. And in another way, it can be very scary. And mm -hmm. so we need to then be authentic from her side about what is scary for her and what is her need in that. So Again, it, it leads both of them to practice being honest about and having a voice, right. as we say, about what they're thinking, feeling, and needing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, what can also be true is a lot of the men that we work with would own that they've had a history of unhealthy anger in the relationship mm -hmm. prior to beginning recovery. And so their temptation may be to just see the destructive nature of anger and try to contain that or shut yeah, it down. Go to this way. Yes, and yes, swing the pendulum exactly. the other way. Mm -hmm. And to actually find that healthy, safe way. You know, one of the principles that we teach at the workshop is that you can have emotions and others can be safe. Mm -hmm. And you can have emotions and you can be safe. But if you grew, grew up around emotions that were unsafe or you grew up in a home where there were no emotions, this is like learning a brand new language. Mm -hmm. But to learn, I can be angry and I can be safe and my spouse can be safe. But if it's historically been unsafe, that's not going to be an easy transition. That probably will, you're going to need some support as a couple to navigate that. Mm -hmm. Well, this finding a voice is not an easy journey, right. and which is why we're advocating always for community to practice, mm -hmm. you know, to have men that you lead into community with other men so they can practice being brutally honest in there. You know, mm -hmm. maybe there's somebody that's taking over the conversation in the group or something, and somebody finally says, you know, you just like, you talk too much in mm -hmm. here. And then you take the opportunity to try to teach them how to say that more safely and gently and kind, and yet talk about what's true for them. We're doing the same thing for the women as well, um, because their emotions are big. And oftentimes their response when their emotions are a lot bigger or different than what they normally feel, their reactions to them are also not, they're surprising mm -hmm. to them in a way. You know, one of the things I learned in the group experience that I had, I mean, it was a therapy-led group, um, was that we would practice in the group so that we could then take it out and mm -hmm. live it. Mm -hmm. And if we just did it in the group context, like if I just found my voice in the group, that's great. That would even be a new thing for me. But ultimately, it's about finding my voice outside of the group in my relationships. Mm -hmm. um, you, we kind of talked about that emotion piece. But if I can offload some of the energy of my anxiety or my grief or my anger in the safety of my group, then when I show up in my relationship with it, it's not so intense. I've offloaded some of the uh, additional energy that may be difficult for my spouse to receive. And that's it's actually a very loving thing to do is to practice in my safe community 
so that when I show up in my relationship to the best of my ability, I am showing up as a wise man or a wise woman. Mm-hmm. I, I use the analogy. Speaking of analogies, I have a few too. Um, uh, but in my book, I talked about playing tennis, and I loved being on the tennis team when I was years ago. And what I loved really is the practicing of it more so than actually playing in matches with other people because practicing was kind of like my time to be in my community with my own team and we practiced shots and the things we weren't doing well we had other things that we could do to keep practicing and practicing and practicing and then you start getting this feeling like I'm getting pretty good at that you Mm -hmm. know just like finding your voice in a group and then we have to go play a match with a team we don't know at all and then we really see how that plays out you know how am I taking my skills into a really tough situation to play with people at that kind of level of competition, it's a little bit like what happens when we take this stuff into our marriages. Because the person we're married to is going to be the person who we have the most difficult time getting the closest to. Mm -hmm. And people always say, well, why is that so? And it really makes sense that, you know, as we're moving closer and closer, closer in our relationship, ideally, if we're not safer in there with each other, our natural inclination is going to be to move away. And so we, we need to do a lot of practicing before we go in there because otherwise we're, we're tempted to go back to those old coping mechanisms, not be brutally honest in there, keep the conflict lower because otherwise who knows what's going to happen in there. And so it makes sense. You know, our spouse is going to be maybe one of the last people that we get really good with this. Right. Well, that practice is where you're, confidence starts to grow because then when you get to that match Mm -hmm. and you were married to a guy with a great return of serve so you know (laughs) so Mm -hmm. as you have spent all of this time learning uh, honing your skills you're you're working on that confidence Mm -hmm. same thing relationally when you work on these things outside of the marriage or outside of a relationship then you're that much more confident Mm -hmm. when you go to present yourself yeah well and using the same image of sports, I can practice and practice and practice. And then when I actually get to the game, I can just fall apart. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is true for couples. Each one is working really hard, doing a great program, getting support. And then when they show up in the coupleship, it kind of falls apart. And that's the beauty of the Mm do-over. That, okay, we we didn't do this well. Let's, Let's talk about it. If we need to take something back to our community, we can. But let's practice trying again so that maybe this time we can do it better mm-hmm. and i i think for a lot of couples they may try a couple of times it doesn't go well they get frustrated and they might be tempted to give up but to be able to say okay no no we're going to try it again and we're going to keep doing it until we feel like we are creating a safe space for each of us to be heard about whatever is going on you and know that's why we often recommend too that hard conversations that don't go well, that they they get brought in to a professional to help you with Mm -hmm. that. And and I was noticing too in in just the Australian Open that we just finished here Mm -hmm. recently, that these professional tennis players who know how to do things well in matches and in practice, Mm -hmm. they still get to have their coaches now right by them. So when something's not going well, they can coach them. And I'm like, that's so different than we're telling couples Come in and get help. Right. You know, we don't expect you to do all of this by yourself, and especially when it's something new. So don't keep beating yourselves up. Um, come in, get some help, have some coaching, and then try it again. Right. So if a woman were to come to you and say something like, you know, my husband's now kind of pushing back, or 
he's starting to try to have a voice or he's now sharing his emotions and maybe she is feeling a little chaotic or disoriented, what might be support that you would want to offer her? What kind of encouragement? Mm -hmm. Well, certainly timing of this is going to be important. I think when too much of that happens too early and it isn't, the focus is not on just hearing a wife and and for her to get enough support for the pain she's living through, um, it can be disastrous because I think she can begin interpreting it as um, he's talking about something he doesn't like about her and therefore she's assuming that it's because of that that he's also using it as an excuse Mm -hmm. for why he's done what he's done. So there's a, a real timing piece to, I think, all this authenticity about things he may want to share one day. And so I just want men to be aware of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe they need to learn to say, for instance, this, this authentic, authentic piece I'm bringing up is not about blaming you in any shape or form or for what I've done. Mm-hmm. I, I just want you to know that I'm trying to be honest with my emotions and my thoughts and feelings and needs. And, um, you know, if I stuff it and I don't, it's just one of my old ways of managing things. Mm-hmm. I also talked with her, though, a lot about what it means to be emotionally not present or not emotionally intimate in the relationship. And if this has been a problem for him because it defines his addiction, then it does mean that he's been hiding away that as well as behaviors. And so to see it as progress for him rather than criticism of her or fear of hers, I think is one thing I like to try to help women see. I also need to help her when I can to figure out how to take care of herself when things maybe get too hard, that right. anger piece has gotten way over here and it's feeling very scary for her. What will be her step to take care of herself in that while he's practicing perhaps? Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of how will she respond when it starts happening? Does she like how she's responding or not? I had a woman today say to me earlier this morning, you know, one of the things I really want to work on right now is liking how I respond to things, no matter what they are. I said, that's a great thing for you to work on because it's the only thing she can control. So we work a lot on that kind of thing. Well, great. Well, again, we, we just want to affirm to couples that if you're finding yourself in some chaos, that may actually be an indication that the recovery is working. That Mm. just because it's difficult or challenging or uncomfortable. Um, it takes a lot of courage to try to do things new and differently. Mm-hmm. And so it's exciting and challenging when we see that our spouse is trying to show up with a more authentic self, especially if it seems as if it's oppositional or it's um, intense or it's unfamiliar because this isn't the pattern that we typically had in our mm-hmm. relationship. And you know, the wives have their they're part of sharing in sort of the same way. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, not too long into discovery of their husband's behaviors, they'll say to me, I just, I'm just a mess. You know, I'm all over the place. Like I, one minute I'm sort of happy, the next minute I'm raging mad. And they said, really, I, I am just a mess. And I usually tell them also that this is, this is actually progress mm-hmm. because they will have a ton of emotions as they're dealing with these, this kind of information and making changes and learning the truth about things. And I said, you know, if you weren't a mess, you would be doing a ton of coping with mm-hmm. some kind of behaviors or substances. Right. That's the only thing that would keep you even keel. 
And so the fact that you are showing up real and honest about this, yes, it's messy. You're way over here. You've never let yourself maybe be this messy with emotions. But I want to tell you, I it's okay. Right. We can deal with those here, They're wherever you need to be. And um, eventually, as you get more regulated, as you talk about them more and you figure out your needs and have your voice on a regular basis, it won't look like that so much anymore. And that's the beauty of having your voice about things. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thanks. Yes. Oh. Thank you so much for being with us today. The uh, the uh, the clock on the wall tells us that uh, I get to wrap this up for us now. But as always, we really appreciate you joining us and sharing your wisdom and experience. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast or viewing this podcast and you realize that there's a need in your life, uh, Faithful and True is here for you. If you're a man that has finally come to the realization that you can't overcome the uh, desires that you have, your battle with pornography or issues of unwanted sexual behaviors, uh, it's what we're experienced and experts at. So visit faithfulandtrue.com where you'll find lots of resources. You'll find over 400 podcasts like this. Uh, and uh, as well as our bookstore with many great resources, books by uh, Mark and Debbie Laser, as well as a wonderful book by uh, Greg's wife, Beth, as well. Um, we invite you to take a look at all of those and uh, take a look at the upcoming three-day intensive workshops. We do the Men's Journey Workshop every month, and uh, we're, we have openings uh, as soon as March uh, for you to come and take part in that three-day intensive. Uh, we have the women's uh, workshop coming up in April. April end mm -hmm. of April. And, end of April. Mm -hmm. And we still have spots available there as well. So uh, please take a look at faithfulandtrue.com. I think uh, you'll find that there's lots of help available to you. Until then, we thank you for joining us. We hope that this coming week is a week that's filled with many blessings and with great vision. Thank you.